This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit jabberjawmedia.com for more shows like this one. Today's episode is sponsored by ZipRecruiter. Are you hiring? Post your jobs for free at ziprecruiter.com slash badchristian. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. Joey Spencer with your big old fat ass. Kick the beat. <clears throat> Time to get deep. <clears throat> oh, shit. So get out the Greek. We <clears throat> nasty today. <clears throat> we gonna be going nasty right from the beginning. <clears throat> Ain't we no the more. Bad Christian podcast. We're not gonna do no consumer sermons. We going to the Greek meaning so you can really understand the Bible. No one knows what per- you're talking about. That was you. You were beatboxing and then you immediately went as far white. Most people go left or right. You went white as far as you could. <laughs> well, I think my. I think I, I. Damn it! Felt the kidney stone coming on just no. a second ago. So oh that's my just throwing Lord, me dear off. Dear God, Father throwing God, we come to off. you right now, Father God. Where is it at, Joey? Uh, is it, it is, it, is uh, it is uh, I I feel the sensation probably my second rib up from the bottom in Father that God vicinity. the rib we lift up the Joey's rib <laughs> he has a kidney stone in his rib Father God <laughs> the problem with doing this thing over Skype is I can't do a hands laying on hands I know will be in order here yeah. some people and, some uh, people think it won't work like if I stretch my hand to you right now it won't work not did you know I no. mentioned I mentioned the kidney stone and now I feel like I gotta. Dagger migraine on this little spot right here on my Joe, head. No, right. that's cancer. Yeah, that's a carcinoma. I'm afraid. Though. Yeah, your body. Here's a. Here's the thing. We make fun of you. How sick you get with your body. It is also unbelievably resilient. Like it always comes back. I mean, you go through unbelievable shit. I wouldn't wish on an enemy of mine, yeah. and you come back stronger. Yeah. He thinks of everything as kidney stones. It's just like oh, I got a little kidney stone in my head. When Way after about 45 minutes, it took some time. A, mi- a migraine to normal people causes the amount of stress that cancer calls, causes Joey. It's like I can I can tell you guys, hey, I got to sit in a dark room under the covers today during podcasting. Sorry, is that cancer? That it's is just true. come back a little bit. Like if you if you were told, Toby, you have a kidney stone coming on, you would be paralyzed with fear and terror oh my god and, and you would cancel I everything for the next yes. two weeks joey's like yeah i guess i'll probably have to preach with <laughs> no, having seen joey having seen yeah having seen joey the pain that he has been in and what he's been like there were times <laughs> where i'm not kidding i've seen joey have a kidney stone but i thought he was losing his mind <laughs> it's that i mean it's horrible like i've seen you in act like actual agony and i, I, I promise to, i mean I, that that's one of the scariest things in the world for me anybody with a kidney stone that is horrific that time when i was in atlanta with you guys and we were recording the podcast Mm -hmm. and and ended i ended up in the emergency room i mean there was a there was a point mentally where i really did feel like i was kind of losing it and i i was interacting with you guys but it was almost just like this isn't real like this pain is so bad there's no way you were just staring off in the distance and drool was coming out. (laughs) (laughs) i mean i've never felt worse for like a per like i've seen my wife give birth 
and it was bad, <laughs> but she was already at the hospital on medication and doctors were there and everything. So I felt more confident in the outcome, but you, we were doing a pod, a live podcast <laughs> and you were about, to, I thought, well, Joey's dead. He's dead. <laughs> this is it. Like the ratings are going to go up. It's going to be pretty amazing. But my best friend in the world is dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, Joey, it's not all physical anguish for you. It doesn't seem like you had a post on the uh, Bad Christian Club Facebook group. Well, oh, y'all I know. joined the the uh, BC Club, by the way, if you'd like to get in on some of that action. But Joey had a post this weekend. I don't remember if it was Saturday or Sunday, Friday, something like that. And it's, it just basically is like, well, I'm hanging up the towel of being evangelical, I think. And it was real vague. Yeah, you, it was, <laughs> was, yeah some, you said like something happened to you. Yeah. I, I don't even know what it is. Like It was like, oh, my God. I was like, what in the world happened? What abuse happened to you? I actually had I actually had people reach out to me checking on me. Because so, of Facebook I, post. Yeah, when I revisited the post, I see I had one of those uh, palm-to-face moments like, oh my gosh, that sounds so extreme. I really did it feel did. bad. Because, I read it as extreme. Like, I, I really felt like, okay, I'm just, I'm going to put this out there because I, I personally, I hate putting drama out on social media, but I really thought to myself, this is going to be dramatic but I don't care. I'm just gonna say it. But then I just didn't. I just did not gauge how dramatic it was. So I mean, pretty much what happened is it's just the same old, same old stuff that we're dealing with. But it 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 just came in such clarity. It was just like I am not this anymore. Like all right. So what happened is my dad he posted an article on uh, trans uh, gender and basically how a kid got molested. Uh, and so my dad puts a little icon with the little smiley face looking up like, huh, like what, you know, oh, well, I guess if this is what we do with the restrooms, this sort of stuff's going to happen. So you're saying a trans person molested someone in a restroom and your dad posted an article about that? Yes, okay. but the truth, the tr- so that that is a hot button with Priscilla, and she really gets along with my dad, loves my dad, but she reached out to him uh, individually and said, hey, if you read the article, um, you know, this is basically a family member who was at this person's house that basically, you know, molested the person. He 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 was known. So this isn't the sort of situation that oh, you're man. even talking about. Really? Can we pause there? Because that's super misleading. Because I saw I've seen that headline. I saw it go around and read the article, but. You know, you're saying that it, like the the whole fear that everybody's whipped up about the bathroom thing is there'll be these creeps that hang out in bathrooms to do this activity, which I don't, as far as I'm aware, we hadn't had an outpouring of it or any of it as far as I know. But this right. article seems to be one of those. But you're saying even in this, it proves the point that uh, a lot of people say, which is it's your own selves and family members that are going to molest your kids, you right. goobers. And this one happened right. to be like transgender. Like 95%. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Wow. So basically, this article did not communicate what my dad thought it did. And he actually, I mean, I got to hand it to my dad. He was, it was a great conversation between him and Priscilla. And he actually went on there and uh, pretty much retracted and kind of apologized and didn't erase the post. But basically, uh, someone goes on there and I'm going to read this word for word because this is, this is what did, did me in. You know, so here we're talking about an issue that we that's dealing with people. So it's ultimately not even a real. This is an issue. This is people, and it's already something that causes such mixed emotion. And this woman thinks yeah. that Facebook is the best place to write. I love all people too, but find nothing wrong with expressing 
disgust with sinful behavior. Yes, we've all been caught in sin's snare, but praise Jesus for those who speak against sin and its repercussions, those who point us to repentance and forgiveness through him. High fives, those two little hands that are out. How will they hear unless there is a preacher? And I know that doesn't sound too epic, but I read that and I was like, I am not that. Now, I am. what I'm not saying is that I divorce this person from the body of Christ because I believe that you know, once we're saved, we don't choose our brothers and sisters in Christ. But yeah. what she's in the middle of, I am not. Like I'm and, and I feel like I'm I'm closer, I'm probably closer to an atheist than I am this stuff. Like I feel so this far stuff removed being to from publicly this. express how disgusted trans people are to you is a biblical thing that she thinks needs to be done more. More people need to speak out about how they're personally disgusted by the existence of trans people. Yes, okay. and I actually I actually reached out to her at cuz I kind of have a policy and I almost broke it. I was going to write something uh you know publicly on on this post that my dad put out there, but I just reached out to her and I I you know said her name and I said food for thought 1 Corinthians 5:12 and it's basically where Paul is talking about kicking people out of church, but we have no business judging the world at all. Like that's just not our business. Keep your mouth shut about the world. And so Here's what she says. Did you come to Jesus through your own righteousness, or was it because someone shared that Jesus died on the cross for your sins? Please don't waste my time, With which I was shocked that she was coming across aggressive because she's always been super, super sweet. Please don't waste my time with the worldly church doctrine that I'm a hater and a bigot because I speak against sin, which I don't feel like she's a bigot at all. It takes more love to genuinely contend for people in bondage than to... Per- pervert the pure message of Christ, which is that man is wicked and in need of Jesus. And then she basically goes and gives her resume with how, I mean, she actually uses uh, the phrase, I'm sorry if I came across too abrasive for your liking, but I'm busy snatching souls from Satan's grips, exclamation, exclamation, exclamation. Wow. How many drug addicts, drunkards, etc., have you personally had, had live with you and see Jesus uh, divine hand, save, deliver, and set free. I'm not elevating myself or being condescending. I'm just telling you that behind the she scenes, she says you I'm can't argue in. with my methods because they clearly work. Right? She says behind the scenes, I'm engaged in some very serious warfare. So it's just, I mean, uh, and part of me, you have to respect everything she just said because honestly, she truly believes that that's what she's supposed to do. And instead of being lazy and watching, you know, uh, Netflix 24 hours a day, she's basically walking the talk, but I'm just, I I mean, I I just can't believe like, especially talking to someone like Brandon Robertson, a couple episodes ago, the bisexual pastor, like this woman would not even, give him any sort of benefit of the doubt, would not consider him a brother, would not have ears. She would, in fact, think that he's in real trouble and leading people away from God. That's what she would think. She would think that he's he's really dangerous. But the whole thing's a gulf enough to where you just understand that whatever that lady's identification is can't really be the same one as you. Yes, mm-hmm. and and here's here's what I think is a foundational aspect of all this that we don't mention too often here. I I really think one of the biggest separate or, or one of the biggest distinctions, and I'm not talking about Calvinism right now, but people who truly believe that other folks' souls are on their hands if they don't 
you know, kick ass and take names on this earth with spiritual warfare and evangelizing, uh, then then they're responsible for people that go to hell. I I never took that responsibility on. I battled with it, but at the end of the day, I was just like, I cannot carry people's souls. Like I, I have. Well, I I did do that for a long time, but I divorced myself from that sort of uh, mindset. But I really do think that is a huge distinction. It, because if you do feel it's your responsibility, that's the direction you have to go. Yeah, that is what I just read. Yeah, that kind of justifies that behavior a little bit more. I had a really similar uh, experience this weekend. I was talking, I was talking to somebody that I know that I respect and look up to a lot. That runs a ministry that I like a lot. And then it was just some social media interaction that he or a family member of his had. And he was told behind the scenes, it was something that was along the lines of that his wife posted that sound that was just pseudo in the territory of having a heart for LGBTQ people. And he yeah. was told kind of behind the scenes from several, several private messages and things like that, that uh, just so you know, if you wind up on that side of the fence with, with what the stuff your wife is saying, then you're, you know will pull out of this and you'll lose this funding and this ministry and blah, 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 stuff like that. Just from just some yeah. conversational thing online. It's really disturbing. Like it's really disturbing that the amount of weight people want to put on this and act really scary ways. I mean, it's kind of, it's kind but, of creepy, but I will say this. One thing that this did sharpen was I really is going to sound so cheese ball. And that is okay. I feel like that culture that, evangelical culture, whatever you want to call it, fundamentalism, I feel like that's my mission field. Like, I really do feel <laughs> those are the people that I think that's I'm supposed right. to be helping the most. Right about that. That's kind of crazy. So you would you go so far then, you're, you're actually saying in an official way that you recognize that mindset as some form of evangelicalism or fundamentalism at least, but enough to where you would say for sure that you are not an evangelical anymore? Is that... Is that yeah, where you are? yeah. Uh, what, what I'm saying is, I am, and and the point of my Facebook post is, I do think it's important that we separate ourselves from that and just say, yeah, that's 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 mm-hmm. a different. You call it a different brand of Christianity that we feel out of conviction is wrong. You know, call it whatever you want. That's not me. Now, what I'm not willing to do because it does kind of annoy me, but I understand where people are coming from, is to try to do the same thing with the church. Because I just feel like that's something yeah. sacred that you can't mess with, and mm-hmm. that Jesus is in charge of, not me. But I'm not that. Just like a, a, a Baptist can say I'm not Pentecostal, a Pentecostal can say I'm not Episcopalian. I'm not that bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like that is not you me. Got a hashtag I, about to roll, huh? I'm not that. <laughs> you just can post. I'm serious. <laughs> well, you can post. How do you, uh, I'm just set up. Like, well, let, say, me ask, let me ask the question. Let me I ask can't a question. Take this. Let me ask a question though. How do you reconcile that with you work at a mega church that's evangelical? That's what it is. Like well, you first worked there. For, yeah, that's what everybody's all, wondering. Like, I think that's why everybody was kind of surprised by what you're saying because I ma- I even made a joke. I was like, Joey, is this what we talked about behind the scenes? Them lowering your salary, and everybody went, "Oh my!" They thought I was being serious or what. I was yeah. totally joking. But I mean, you do work at an evangelical mega church. Yeah, but you know just as well as I do that behind the scenes at Seacoast, there are people that are pretty much on the same page with us, and that's the beauty of Seacoast yeah. is there is a there is a big tent call it what it, you know, where people that don't think in that mindset can be. And I mean, I think our, the, the top level of our leadership 
are are somewhat progressive in their thinking when it comes to you know theology, and th- they would totally understand this conversation that we're having but, right now. But it, I, but but to to support what you're saying, yes. That's why I said mission field. Like, I feel like I have a responsibility not only for the few unbelievers that show up to church on a random Sunday morning to tell them about the gospel and the hope that they can have on this earth, but also the people who have been churched and misled and put under bondage. Well, I'll say this, too. The other thing, though, is that... uh, it, it just can't be behind the scenes anymore. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to interview George here in a minute and talking about church clarity and stuff like that. Churches can no longer think things, think things behind the scenes and not proclaim them or say them or do them. Like, totally. it, it's funny. Y'all, y'all said those two things happened to you. I had a dude write me this week from college about a post I made on my Facebook page talking about, I, I showed, it's crazy. You know, y'all know the Christian artist, Jeremy Camp? Yep. Well, he has yeah. a vid, He has a video where he's in a room and it's pouring down rain on him and he's just singing. I was like, whoa, my my parody song, Forever Rain, was more. I was more accurate than I thought I was. And all these comments, and the person wrote me just kind of implying that I was like being, uh, uh, bringing down a Christian brother. And that I was being like me because of the comments that other people had. And I was like, well, first of all, I don't. I mean, this is the first time you've spoken to me in a long time, but I appreciate you caring about this. But are you saying like I'm doing something bad by showing a video? I didn't say anything. Like I, all, all I did was sh- I, I just showed a. I showed their video. I showed the video. All I did was tell the truth. I didn't say yeah. any. I didn't say, man, this Jeremy Camp's a piece of shit. I just said, hey, it's crazy. I made a parody video. Look, yeah, this this totally. it, it, it's more real than I thought, and so. People are very concerned that they're not going to be able to hold on to the truths that they've always had, and they're not, they're not truths anymore. That's what we're starting to realize, and that's yeah. why you're starting to see a lot of people start going, wait a minute, what am I doing with my money and my time? Do I, do I even know everything about this? Like, what, right. what is it? That's I mean, why I think and, this and, is important. I mean, I think this is important. That's like I said, I was thinking about it and been thinking about the language we use, but even this coming up today makes it even more clear to me when we were talking tossing around the term post christian there's a some part of people that I, i'm just going to ask everybody to indulge me here for a little bit you guys and the listeners too you may seriously want to consider that post christian is the best label for you because it doesn't mean non-christian it means progressed i don't want to use the word progressive but a like the christian movement in the sense that it is not the Jesus thing, not the Bible, but the American Christianity or anything like that has kind of put itself into a place where it has to be uh, moved on from in a way. And that that's not the church. So you can be pro-Christian, you can be pro-Jesus, you can be pro-church and post-Christian, of course, like post-modern art or post-hardcore music. But... And that's and some people would be more comfortable using the language post-evangelical, but let me correct you then. Linguistically and semantically, that's kind of incorrect. You're an ex-evangelical. You're not a post-evangelical. Yeah. You are well, let, kind let of po- s- in a post-Christian mindset. So I would, I would urge let, everybody out there to let that kind of sink in a little bit. And in that kind of in that another way of saying reform, reforming, ref, not reform yes. theology, but you know, you take the thing. It's been wrong before about certain stuff. It's been right about some stuff. We hold what we think is important about it, and we're moving into the new territories. It's our responsibility to kind of update things without sacrificing well, let, the, the most important stuff and get rid of and the let, bad shit. Yeah, and let me say let me say it this way too: like to ask people that are maybe in this you know transitional phase, or people that are grasping hard, saying, "Nope, not me. I'm not budging." In addition to Jesus and 
people that you're connected with in the church, what is worth, or I'll even say, what are you obligated to try to protect? And the answer to that is nothing. Like, And I think that is why we're so off track, because there's so many man-made traditions and so many things that we hold on to and we see as, as such a dear part of Christianity in the church that we have no business even trying to protect. Yeah, but I, that, I it mean, should that's, be that's what keeps it should be a freeing going. realization to say you don't have to stick up for your own in this regard. You don't have to hate them or fix them or any of that stuff. But you can identify these beha- set of behaviors and stuff that you're like. I mean, we all kind of know the church is broken, right? Like it's okay to admit that, and it's okay to say so. We're going to, you know, let let it be what it is, and we'll also do the church in the way that we think is the church and is Jesus following, which we're still into doing. That's okay. Right. And also, I, I'm so tired of the, it's it's way easier just to forgive, let people go and let them do whatever they want to do and just agree with it. And it's way harder to call out their sin. No, it's just as easy, if not easier. And <laughs> It's actually and, pretty easy to call out sin. Yeah, you're right. I know. You, oh, uh, that person's bullshit. That person's, that's what we all say. Every, it's, you always say, talk shit about other people and what they're doing stupid. That's not so, that's not really that's hard. Not and you're not a hero. For Christ. And, <laughs> and, and how about this? It's the worst way to share the damn gospel. Yes. Do you not understand that? Because what person wants to listen to you when you go, hey, I know what you did wrong. I know what you're doing wrong. I know what you're doing wrong. As soon as you stop that, as soon as you you stop that, I'll I'll let you in on God. Here's how people people will respond to that. Well, that's the full message of the gospel. You can't give the gospel message without the bad news. And I'm like, there is, like right now, there's no bad news. Jesus is saying, come to me, all you who are weary and, and, and need rest. That is good news, period. Now, I mean, I, I honestly, I'm not even sure how much bad news our sin is if Jesus is calling us to him. Like, does he really need to say, okay, here's some really, really bad news that you need to know before you come to right. me for freedom? Now, it's it's almost not even worth saying. And and I didn't even mention this. The, the woman that uh, put me over the edge and, and blessed me in that capacity <laughs> referred to that transgender as a thing. Whatever that thing is that you want, yeah, and exactly, exact, yeah. exactly. She's a human, it, and the and the per- other isn't a person, right? And it's right. like this whole oh, oh, let's not forget this person is made in the image of God. But then, secondly, I mean, you are what you're basically doing is you're saying if you are that, we don't have anything to do with you. We can't take care of you. We don't have any love for you because you are that thing, and you're on the outside. We're this, and we're on the inside. Well, yeah, who think who who thinks Jesus went? Hey, it! You're a prostitute. You're a prostitute. Right. You're a prostitute. I just want you to know you're a prostitute, and it's wrong. And and until you do that, you're headed to hell, prostitute. And I know because my dad's going to send you there, prostitute. Hey, prostitute, you you're just an <laughs> it. You're nothing. Did Jesus do that, or did he go, hey? Let's hang out and have a conversation. Right. Let's chill. Oh, yeah. oh really? What are you? What are you getting for lunch if today? That oh, you went to that. True. You went to that yeah, movie. Yeah. I mean, that's what so, Jesus did. Then he would have been that's the what maddest. Jesus did. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So I do think I do, and I know we got to move on here, but I do think what you, Matt, what Toby, Matt, and Joey just talked about is drastically different enough from mainstream Christianity to draw attention to it. Yeah, to draw attention to it and say, "Hey, this distinction is important." Like, and I and I didn't recognize the importance of this, you know, before this weekend. But no, it is very important, 
that that Christians that, you are not that, that do not operate that way say I don't operate that what way. What was your hashtag that, why. Meant, that you said? I just can't anymore. What'd you call it? I can't do it. I'm what? not that. I'm not that. Yeah, I like it. So yeah, I'm not that. So I know there's a lot of people that always been that way, you know, and and we've marginalized those people, and it's been a little bit sad because you get people that go, well, I'm not a Christian. If you call that Christian, you write that person off or whatever. But that person may be, and it's okay to send the message that you you can still be a Jesus follower. You can still be a, a Christian. You can still uh, every one of those things and not identify as the exact same thing as as that. That I'm not that. Yeah. I mean, I'm just not that. So I'm I'm there too. I'm not evangelical. In, anymore i was I actually was that i'm not that now that's all i can tell you so right and if somebody said well what does evangelical mean to you i'll just say that all of that yeah <laughs> you know what i'm talking about everybody knows what the broken stuff here i mean it's it that, yeah, that stuff this, this is the song that they're going to play during the response time of that lady's church if you're gay go away if you're gay go away stay away now let's take the sacraments. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you, right. do you, yeah, never mind. I'll just, I'll stop. We'll save it for next week, my friend. Just save it, Joey. You're not even an evangelical anymore, so we know <laughs> You're it. You're too keyed up Pro- about this to speak yeah. on it right now. You're just emotional. This is the maddest you've ever yeah, been. It's that damn it's kidney the, stone and cancer right. you got. All right. <sighs> Are you in need of great talent for your business but short on time? You don't have to get lost in a huge stack of resumes to find your perfect hire. You just need the right tools, smarter tools, folks. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards with just one click. So you can rest easy knowing your job is being seen by the right candidates. Then ZipRecruiter puts its smart matching technology to work, actively notifying qualified candidates about your job within minutes of posting so you receive the best possible matches. And that's what's so cool about ZipRecruiter. You get the best possible matches. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other hiring sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on the right candidates finding you. It finds them. You can even get a head start on the interview process by adding screening questions to your job to help identify the most qualified candidates so you don't have to waste time sorting through a stack of resumes to find the perfect fit. No wonder 80% of employer employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just, I'm going to tell you this, one day. Can you believe that? That's so cool. And the easy-to-use ZipRecruiter dashboard lets you manage your hiring process from start to finish all in one place. ZipRecruiter the smartest way to hire. So find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by growing businesses of all sizes and industries to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. Right now, our listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash badchristian. One more time, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash badchristian. One more time to try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash badchristian. All right, let me ring up George here. <clears throat> George, it's good to have you back on the show. I uh, particularly enjoyed having you on last time, and so I've been looking forward to talking to you again anyway. And then I saw the Church Clarity stuff came out. It popped up in my feed a little while ago somewhere, and I was like, oh, that's a good idea. And I had forgotten that um, that was the thing that you were working on. And then I, when you were going to come back on the show, I was like, oh, excellent. Here we go. We get now. We get to have the guy for this thing that I was already interested in. I forgot that was you who had come up with this thing. And then Toby, you tell him what happened just a second ago before we got on. 
Well, I also saw that at Church Clarity, I was like, whoa, that's a really cool idea. Uh, man, wonder if I could get them on the show. So I went to churchclarity.org, and I went to the Frequently Asked Questions and found all the way to contact you, and I wrote on the media request... <laughs> Hello, my name is Toby Morrell. I'd love to talk with somebody from churchclarity.org. <laughs> and that, I work with the Bad Christian Podcast, and we would love to have you guys on. We think what you're doing is great. I said all this stuff, and then Matt told me today, George started that. He's, he's coming on That's the show. what we're doing today. I told him, he didn't know that, that, we, that we already had you booked for the show. And all that. <laughs> I love it. That's so funny. But it's been we a big have- splash, hasn't it? It has been, yeah. You'll have to have uh, Sarah and Tim on at some point, too, because uh, they'll, they'll give you a different perspective than me. But uh, it has been crazy. I can't even, uh, I, I'm just like overwhelmed <laughs> at how, uh, at the response. So it's still kind of reeling and trying to come up for air. So it's good to pause and talk to you guys. Well, let's uh, let's catch people up to date on what it is. I'll say what we talked yeah. about last time, and then you explain what churchclarity.com uh, is. I think that's the URL. So, Last time that dot org dot org sorry so la- we got, we got both. you got both good good so last time that you were on the show we were discussing an open letter that you wrote to Judah Smith a pastor of City Church here in Seattle who let's see if I can explain it right I don't want to waste time on this obviously I'm just trying to set set it up right he had been talking about being um, accepting in this really really strong language and then you penned an open letter that said, does that include for LGBTQ people, to which he would didn't and or would not respond. And on further uh on, on further investigation, you couldn't find whether or not that what they actually what their policy was. It wasn't necessarily affirming or not, but there was no way to find out. And it turns out there was no way to find out. And so and nor would and he they respond. deleted the tweets and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so they tried to cover their tracks there a little bit, which just kind of begs the question of well wait a minute, it's not it's not even that you want to know it's not even that you want them to believe a certain thing, but it's just that you want them to be clear about it. And that lack of clarity seems to be a problem because we have these uh, LGBTQ people going to churches and we hear more and more stories about it. And I've been tuned into it since we discussed it last time, who will will go to a church that they feel like they're welcome at or are told they're welcome, you know, vaguely, and then go through it all and feel that way until they try to get baptized or teach a class or become a member or get married or something like that. And then at which point they find out, oh, the answer to that is no, but they couldn't have even found that out until they've already invested in relationships and time and people and all this stuff. And so now our eyes are all kind of open to, oh, so, you know, it's kind of a problem there, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good summary. And, um, you know, just to backtrack even further, I think the the Judah letter was was one milestone, that whole situation in sort of a, a broader journey to uh, me tinkering with the nuance of clarity being uh, an underlying problem, whereas the conversation that seemed to be playing out in the public square, square was more about, you know, theology and what do you believe about the Bible and all that kind of stuff. Um, so it goes all the way back to me being a part of an evangelical sort of traditional uh, evangelical church uh, in Seattle, East Lake, mm-hmm. and then having gone through the process of, of becoming inclusive, and then you know realizing that we were we were ambiguous, and that we I was a part of a system that hurt people through our ambiguity, and so no, kind of seeing behind the scenes and, and 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 really contributing to the to the problem and to the hurt has I think led me specifically to a place of um, what I, I still describe to this day as as repentance, as trying to. Um, 
to point to like, this is a problem and we need to talk about it. And if, if pastors can't talk about it, then the church needs to talk about it. And so what I learned very quickly is that pastors don't want to talk about it. Um, and so that's sort of where this idea uh, formed. And, and so George, you're, so basically what y'all are doing, and I want you to maybe just let's explain it so everybody knows what, what's going on and how much wealth and of information in a cool database this is. Church Clarity scores churches' websites alone. Like, are y'all doing any like interaction? Like, are y'all calling and or getting emails from there or anything? Or is this just basically if you're you're on the internet and you're looking for a church, you find the website. We're trying to clear up what they believe. Like, what's a score? A score all comes down to actively enforced policies. So we want to uh, use that as the consistent um, way to measure uh, and evaluate a church's uh, level of clarity. Because at the end of the day, again, you don't want to get wrapped up in the, the arguments about theology and what a, a pastor believes or how well-meaning they are, or what they're, how much they love you know, groups of people. It's all about when the rubber meets the road, when you get that question that you are getting, you know, uh, what is your answer? It's actually really simple. And that's, that's the idea behind it. And I think why it's resonated so much is because it's like, oh, yeah, that is really simple. Why? What is the purpose of ambiguity? Why are why are churches not forthright in uh, the reality of the policies that they enforce? So, and so the score. Go, go ahead, Matt. Sorry, I was going to say the problem. Is, well, I, one of the reasons we do this show, really, and and this is an uh, this falls right into that category is Toby and I've been in evangelical churches, mega churches, and church culture, and even leadership a ton. And it's just the the most obvious phenomenon to me that the way the public facing part of the any church is is got a pretty big gap to where to the way the real people that are the leadership of that church actually is in real life. There's always a gap and it may be necessarily so, but in any case, it it has all kind of little problems. So for instance, we talk openly and use more coarse language than most people would in front of a church, but everybody I know that is behind the scenes of the church acts like me and talks like me normally anyway. They're more like you and I than you think, but they dress things up and they have these more nuanced, careful, carefully worded political ways that they behave outwardly. And it drives me crazy. That's part of the reason we do this show. And this falls right into that topic. I know for a fact that there are tons and tons of churches who are wrestling through these issues who have way more progressive stances and actually convictions that they're withholding and being uh, talking themselves into and talk and and coaching the rest of their staff leadership and other people to be careful around about uh, make sure not to do this make sure not to say this avoid this topic and to me that feels that just feels bad it feels uncomfortable or fake to me it sets off a radar and I know they have good intentions behind it yeah. but that's the but nonetheless these are the gaps that I'm interested in closing and that that so that's kind of you know I, these churches are out there wrestling with it. You'd be surprised probably by what your leadership actually thinks about this issue is what is my sense for, in a lot of churches, not all, of course. Right. And, and again, I, I always want to take the conversation back to, um, to the organizational policy level, mm-hmm. because then, then it, it is actually less uh, judgmental and less subjective. It's just matter of fact, because you're right. I think, I think a lot of these guys, um, do have really good intentions and they do have, uh, just like I did when I, before East Lake became mm-hmm. affirming, I, you know, I, I made a big sacrifice to go work for a church. I left the business world, took a huge pay cut. Like 
I, uh, these guys are in it for, I think, the right reasons. And, and so the, this nuance is so important because it points to a practice that is hard to see when you're in it. Um, and it's not, it's not an attempt to ridicule or, or pass judgment on what it is that you believe. Now, let me pause right there and say, I do think there's a time and place for that conversation. And one of the things that we've maintained is, uh, is that that's going to be a messy thing, you know, for a leadership team that is, um, not shy about where, where, where we fall on the spectrum of our, our, our beliefs and things, even, even clarifying in our FAQ that church clarity as an organization is, is, uh, unapologetically affirming um, that doesn't mean that we're trying to then uh, sort of um, assert our, um, our our postures and our beliefs on these organizations we are simply trying to clarify what the prevailing reality already is mm-hmm. um, so so if it's helpful I can walk through just our scores just to yes let's do that, let's yeah. do that. So yeah, how, do that. how does the site work church clarity okay so so the way we support churches is uh, based just on a very simple scale. Uh, again, the, the primary concern is whether or not they're clear on their website. So we go through, Sarah New is sort of the database, um, like she's in charge of the whole thing. So we, we yield to her on creating the, the consistent sort of evaluation uh, model and then sticking to it. Um, and so whether or not a church is clear about their policies on their website They'll, uh, they'll get either a clear affirming score or a clear non-affirming score. And we'll talk about that in a sec. There's also a, a designation which is labeled red right now, which is undisclosed. And that just means we can't find anything about it anywhere. Um, and so the way we sort of structured the site, we feel like undisclosed is, um, we should consider that unacceptable. If, if part of our mission is we want to create a new standard of clarity in the church world, then um, undisclosed churches, we feel like, uh, have some clarifying to do. So, what's the difference uh, the in undisclosed and unclear? So, unclear means if if you do enough uh, digging outside of the main website, you can find some vague references to conversations that the pastor has had around you know LGBTQ subjects, um, but it doesn't uh, doesn't clarify what their actual policy is. So it's, it is actually very clear. So undisclosed means we just, we're ignoring it altogether. We're pretending like it's not even a thing. Um, and then there's clear um, non-affirming, and then there, there, it, there's uh, clear um, affirming as well. Right now, the website doesn't have any um, unclear affirming churches, but that's just because the database is driven by demand, uh, and we just haven't gotten any yet that have been scored uh, as um, unclear affirming. Yeah, see, uh, that's the funny thing is that, you know, if if, there, if you were affirming, you probably would be clear about it also. So if you, it's, it's yeah. the, the less clarity you have, the more that may point to, you know, the fact that at some point there's going to be a barrier for you as an LGBTQ. And you don't know what that is going in. You don't know it after two weeks. You don't know it after six months, maybe. But there may be some point coming where there's a limit to your participation or acceptance in full there. But the you know but if you were of course people would be you could probably find the clarity so that's probably part of the issue going on there um and so you're not really trying to you, what efforts do you make to to uh, to I don't I don't want to get tangled up in the language uh, uh accept or verify or or say it's okay to be not affirming as long as you're clear about it how would you explain that being that you clearly are hope or wish more people were affirming yeah, this is where I think it gets it, uh, a little bit tricky because 
That is my conviction in the sense that I think in order for the church at large to make any progress in this conversation and other conversations that, by the way, are overdue, that we need to like start getting to, we need to start talking about women in leadership and race and what the hell is going on in the country, right? In order for us to make any progress on any of those conversations, we need to put our cards on the table and be like, all right, that's what you think. Here's what I think. Let's talk about that. And right now, we're not doing that because much of the church world is muddied in this, in this like, we, uh, what I think is sort of a, a leftover um, byproduct of the seeker-sensitive movement where it's like this bait and switch. It's this, this don't ask, don't tell. We want to bring people in so that we can change their mind from our place of conviction that we conceal, right? So um, there, there's enough evidence out there. If you talk to enough people who identify as LGBTQ, uh, who will tell you how harmful that is because that's that's not a, a place to start a relationship from. Mm-hmm. So you can disagree on that. I saw a great Twitter thread that uh, I retweeted, uh, I think yesterday, that was, was talking about, look, we can, I, I understand where you're coming from and we can even have a beer about it. And I'm sure we have a great conversation. I totally disagree with you. But you know what? I just don't want to go to church with you. And that's okay. That's okay to say, right? And and uh, certainly as as, especially as, as people who are, are not a part of the LGBTQ community, we have to be listening to that and paying attention to what we're hearing and responding and saying, okay, great. Let's not go to the same church. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, that is really what we're trying to do. So the other effort that we make is uh, the, the last score that we haven't talked about yet, which is active, actively discerning. And that's another category that we don't have any churches yet. Uh, <laughs> and just kind of, Kind of as a side note, we have, uh, as of this morning, over 600 churches that have been submitted to our database to be scored, which is ridiculous. Uh, but only 40 we've been able to actually go through and publish. So yeah. we're in the process right now of scaling up and building our capacity. But we say that if you're willing to publicly say we're in a process of active discernment, we recognize that ambiguity isn't harmful, or excuse me, is harmful, and that we want to clarify our policies. And so as a leadership team or as a community, we are in the process of going through that, uh, that, that journey and we will reach clarity in X number of months or whatever. We, we will, we will then score you an actively discerning church because we don't think that there is a problem with admitting that that's where you're at and that, you know, that's a healthy way to approach it. Yeah. That sounds like a great category to be in to me. Have y'all thought at all, like just anybody that signed the Nashville statement, just go ahead and put, clarify that their church isn't like, is that, I mean, that's a quick and easy way. It's a one, one document that all those people are non-affirming probably for sure. It buns me out too. Like, uh, y'all don't even like, I like it on the site. You can search by region. Like if you're in a certain state or whatever, you know, you can check, but there is no South Carolina where I'm from. (laughs) I was, I was wondering, are (laughs) y'all, is there a lot of, uh, like undisclosed or non-affirming in, in specific regions, have you noticed? I just—I I know that might even be a bizarre question, but I just was wondering: like, are certain parts of the country m- more uh, consistent than others? Maybe has that happened yet? You've only gotten forty, right? Completely. Yeah, we've only gotten through forty, and and honestly, because we're just so inundated, like, like we didn't expect this to blow up the way that it has. I mean, we, right. we thought it would we thought it would resonate, but we kind of thought it'd be a little bit of a slower build. This is actually uh, we called this our soft launch, so. Um, We'll see what happens as, as we continue to, to go through the data, but um, I imagine some of those things will be will be interesting to look at. The thing about this, the thing about this is that is so cool, and y'all are saying this too, though. Is it, if if I was in a, a gay relationship and um, 
I was about to say with another dude. I was going to clarify like anybody would need that clarification. <laughs> but uh, if I was in a relationship, I, you're, you're right. I wouldn't want to go to a church where it's so ambiguity. There's so much ambiguity, and then find out six months in after I've made relationships and feel like I'm I've been giving my ties or money or all this stuff to get the rug pulled out from under me. Oh well, we we totally are non-affirming or. This, this, this. Like, have you had any pushback from any churches? They were like, "Hey, what y'all are doing is making us look bad," or anything like that. Yes, <laughs> George is nodding George his is head. Shaking his is head, unbelievable, but making no sound there. <laughs> I thought you were imitating a bobblehead, a baseball oh, bobblehead. Sorry. Yes, absolutely, we are, um, and it's understandable at some level. It's uh, you know, thought coming. A uh, couple couple write-ups, and uh, I think the Gospel Coalition did a write-up. Uh, Denny Burke did one. Uh, and it is what it is. I mean, again, I don't expect um, people who uh, who crafted the Nashville statement to agree with, with me, let alone— Well, why not, uh, though? On the issue, that's what I'm saying. That's what's interesting. And let me play devil's advocate in the middle of it, but why wouldn't somebody? Why wouldn't the people that signed the Nashville statement and the Gospel Coalition say, clarity, absolutely, let's be super clear yeah. on this? Like that, that, That's where it seems like they would agree with you versus not agree. So let's get into well, what would be some pushback. What, what, what would be the pushback? I can think of some, but I'll, I'll let you say well, what I they've said first. A couple things. It, it comes down to— um, I guess what I was saying that I, I understand is uh, a, a suspicion, having a suspicion of someone that you fundamentally disagree on some of the, the bigger issues uh, of what our motivations are, right? This is some of the language that we're seeing out there. Um, and, and it's the whole like authority thing again, like well, who are you to call us affirming, not affirming? Um, you're, you're an apostate is the language that Denny Burke used. And so I'm like, okay, whatever. But um, I think the... The other thing, the bigger thing is that people don't like the label, the score non-affirming because uh, it it sounds judgmental. It sounds to them like we are saying they're they're bigoted or they're homophobic. So this is this is kind of mm-hmm. what we're seeing in Twitter tweets and things like that. Um, you can you need another so, category, say non-affirming, non-homophobic, non-affirming. And homophobic <laughs> designations. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and this is so, you know, kind of behind the scenes prior to launch. And, and as long as we've been working on this and, and really trying to be careful with how we craft the language, because we know that there's sensitivities around this. Um, and this particular part of the conversation, affirming versus not affirming, was one that we went in circles around when uh, before we launched and, and ultimately landed where we did very intentionally. Um and and that is to say that we are um, we're dealing with a, a a cultural transition right now that we need to give language to, mm-hmm. so that there's a, there's an understanding of what we mean when we say certain words. So it's just like, you know, uh, uh, someone who disagrees. It's like Denny Burke saying apostate about me. I'm like, okay, I see how you feel that way about me based on what you believe. Um, I, I reject that label. I don't think I'm an apostate. Um, Why does he say that? What What is his point of calling you an apostate? Though, what like what is he, what is he worried about? Aren't, I mean, your goal is just to tell the truth. You're not trying to tear down churches. It's just the truth. Like, what is he? What does he say? What are you feeling that the the right in Christianity are so scared of this site for? You know, anytime you find a affinity among a group of people, especially people who. Uh, are marginalized or oppressed by, by systems. Um, anytime their voices can coalesce and rally behind an idea, um, that's powerful. And so people are, I think, 
or, and I've read this and people have tweeted at me, um, that they're worried about uh, the power, that this is a power grab, even as one person said. Um, and I'm just like, I, I don't know what that means. First of all, <laughs> there's like, there's, there's people who are, who are stressed that this little database website is somehow going to like be used as a tool for the state. I've even heard like these crazy outlandish <laughs> rumors. I'm like, right. whoa, whoa, whoa. It's just a website about yes or no questions, basically. That's what um, the internet is for. But, I mean, come on. Like this is but, the whole thing. That, that's what Denny Burke was saying, right? Like, okay. So first of all, while you were talking about this, I, I went to ChristianityToday.com, which has so many ads and videos that it's the stupidest thing. It's it, ChristianityToday.com only is trying to make money. And that's what Denny Burke's real fear is. He goes, uh, the church database is a, is a pretext for removing the tax exempt status of non-affirming churches. So he's worried about the money, not telling the truth. Uh, like, aren't we supposed to, aren't, I mean, God calls us that people won't like you and that you'll suffer and all this stuff. Don't you dare, George, take away our tax exempt status. What is wrong with you? Apostate, sinner, tool of the Satan. <laughs> and you're trying to tell the truth. Yeah. I mean, again, I get it though. I, I, I get it. I get the fear. I get the suspicion. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to listen uh, more these days. I, I, I do think that we're hitting on something that's unique. I do think that it's resonating for a reason. Um, and I do think that the, the people who signed and created the national statement, we should, we should have common ground, at least on the desire for clarity. I would think that'd be so possible. Hanging, but the fact is, maybe they're looking at it just like, well, this is George, and he believes this way. Therefore, whatever right. he makes or says is what I'm against. It, not, yes. They're even missing the idea that, that what you are doing could be good. or <laughs> They don't even believe, they don't even buy that somebody like you would have a common good in mind. They only yes. reflectively, insecurely know that they're hyper-partisan and assume you are too maybe is one way. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And I think I have similar, um, knee jerk sentiments when something like the national statement comes out. Right. Um, but even, I mean, if you, if you go back on my Twitter timeline, you'll see sort of me, me processing the national statement in, in, uh, in the ways that I think were raw and honest. And I still believe, uh, but then eventually coming to a place where I think it was, I think it was actually Brian McLaren who tweeted, uh, about, uh, sort of applauding it while being uh, uh, re repelled by it. Uh, and I agreed with him because of my uh, desire for clarity. So I've yeah. been So the Nashville statement itself is something you say, well, hey, there's a clear document. So that's kind of in your category, right? I, I, and I think that's actually an unpopular opinion in my quote unquote camp, right? Like people want to say, no, that's disgusting. How could you say there's anything good or redeemable about that? And my whole point, my response to that is, well, they're just telling the truth. They're telling the truth that other churches aren't willing to admit. So um, yeah. we, sh we should all agree about that. And there's been a couple actually, uh, I shouldn't lump everyone in with Danny Burke. Uh, there's been actually some, some uh, pretty prominent supporters of this who I think would identify as uh, national statement um, in the national statement group. Yeah. So undisclosed are the ones that, that are, are troubling for that reason because they – I mean, what's I don't know. Let me let me get in the middle here and be a little devil's advocate because I dislike a lot of the the undisclosed vibe is just this was what drives me most crazy is they're calculating some benefit from not claiming in in which is you get it both ways and p people are the things hanging in the balance here. So that's why right it's really rubs me the wrong way. But 
let me try to look at it the other way. Now, in fact, I think Preston Sprinkle, who's somebody I respect a lot, uh, compared this website to the Nashville Statement itself, and I'd like to get him on to discuss that if he if he would soon. Um, but he he thinks that both of these things are harmful and they're pressuring people in ways that could both be harmful, something like that. I won't put words in his mouth. But let me just say, if I was in an undisclosed church or any church, and you're saying, well, what's wrong with clarity? I'd like to know clarity. Well, it, you could extract that to any issue. You could do gun control. So it seems unreasonable to me that a church must declare what it, what it believes about upper tax brackets or gun control or anything else on their website just for clarity and then knowing that if they did that if every church had to make a very hard stand on gun control it would matter factly cost them uh, members of their audience and in the way their interpretation uh, reach for the gospel and it would go against their mission to have to disqualify or alienate some subset of their congregation by having a hardline stance on an issue that, that they may think is right. not an important one. They may think this isn't an important issue that they need to have a strong stance on. And therefore you're forcing them into this. It's just going to matter of fact hurt their ministry the way they see it. So why not yeah. make them declare every political thing and turn everything into these super binary political and you're with them or you're not with them. But you may have done yeah. that to some degree with this website. Yeah, and I appreciate the question because I think it's a, it's, a, it's a good question and one that we need to dig into. So the difference there, what you're describing is a uh, policy opinion about something very important, in my opinion, uh, but is un- I think unreasonable in the same way to uh, put something like that in um, a, a, a classification where I'm pressuring pastors to declare what they, what they think or what they believe about something like that. The mm-hmm. difference with this is pastors and churches are um, decision makers of organizations that, that must and do enforce policies related to LGBTQ people, right? That so, is different than gun control because it's not a matter of whether or not you br- they don't have any effect on that. They don't ordain or not ordain people that have concealed carry permits, yes. right? Exactly. And so that's why, um, A, we started with LGBTQ uh, policies because they're uh, the most sort of uh, needed to discuss it. I think it's the most one of the most urgent um, conversations in the church that have a policy tied directly to it, mm-hmm. right? Um, Meaning so that there when, is policy in effect either way, whether or not you acknowledge it is all there okay. is, because you either do marry them or you don't marry them. They either can lead a Bible study or can't or be a member or can't. That already is 100% decided because it goes one way or the other. Exactly. It's just a matter exactly. of could they, can we please know it? Um, it's the same thing. It's like so. People know for sure that like uh, like most churches now used to not, but now they are okay with uh, divorced folks coming. They they said biblically you're not supposed to get divorced, and now everybody's softened up a little bit for some reason. Maybe it's because a lot of people get divorced, even pastors, and they can still. Uh, there are people who are divorced holding leadership roles in church. There are people in divorce leading small groups. There are people that are divorced uh, getting remarried. There's all kinds of that, and it's pretty clear you are welcome here, right? And if you so, ask, they would tell you. Like is, any church that wouldn't or allow a divorced person, yes, to, they would tell you. They would tell you a second you, you asked. Sir. Yeah. Sure. But here, let me, okay, this is kind of, we're going on a different road here, but I think an important one, when we look at, no, 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 it's good. It's a good road. (laughs) Uh, But when we look at sort of the motivations or or what's, what's driving uh, part of church clarity, at least from my perspective, is as a pastor, as someone who still loves the church, right? I work at a church. I'm sitting in the Riverside Church in New York right now. Apostate church. (laughs) Sorry. Yes. Um, 
but as a as a pastor, I I'm, I lament what's happened in the church when we talk about people who are divorced, and I don't want the same fate for my LGBTQ uh, siblings because um, what what we've put divorced people through is this this stigmatization that still is prevalent. It might be clearer that you know you can take communion here if you're a divorced person. But what it took to get there, I think, was unfortunate. And um, I think if we continue down this path of ambiguity, what you'll have is the same thing happening to, to folks in the LGBTQ community. Um, but it'll be worse, I think. I think it'll be worse because, you know, the, being, the, the, the comparison is already a false equivalence when you take LGBTQ people and divorce people. They're, those are uh, comparable on one level, but very not comparable on another level. And so addressing this right now is what resolves that future concern. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Another question I was going to have about the site too. How are y'all finding all these churches? How does that, how do y'all go about that? Like, do y'all take requests or like do people send in stuff? So we, uh, we launched with 24 of some of the more visible prominent ones um, that uh, represented, you know, sort of the whole spectrum for the most part. Um, Yeah. Like I said, there were miss, we were missing um, unclear affirming and active discernment. Um, and then for for other releases, so we've only had one other release to where we're up to 40 now. It's all been driven by the database, so the crowdsourcing database. People submit churches that they want us to score. They help us sort of identify um, what they observe on their website. So part of this idea is to actually extract real-life uh, data from how people are interacting with these churches' websites. So we give the criteria for these crowdsourcers um, right there on the form that tells them, hey, what do you see? They submit the form. We review it against our the same uh, uh, model that we have, and then we score it and publish it. But it, it is driven by demand. So how do you deal? What would you do with a church that disputed? Like, no, that's not us. You've got us in the wrong category. Oh, great question. We actually have – we want to hear from churches that feel like they disagree. Uh, we have an appeal form right there on the site that they can click and fill out and make their case for why they feel like they were scored incorrectly. Now, our only sort of rule of thumb is that we're going to stick to our published published, uh, criteria, and we're going to be consistent as we can to that. So, um, uh, yeah, so that's that's kind of the— our reasoning and our logic when we when people appeal. All right, let's get into a few of churches. I'll rattle off a few in the categories and uh, ask a couple of follow-up questions. But in the undisclosed category, is, I, I see a few churches that I recognize right off the bat. Cross Point Church, North Point Church, Elevation Church, Mosaic Church, Saddleback Church. Uh, interesting. And then unclear non-affirming, the ones that stick out to me are... Uh, in fact, very surprising to me, some of these. Like, this, there's real information here. In fact, Quest Church here in Seattle is you've got as non-affirming, which I, I guess I'm surprised at. Life Church, Redeemer Presbyterian in New York, Hillsong, and New Spring Church. You have them as unclear and non-affirming. And then I'll go all the way down in here to clear non-affirming. So this is one you got. You have like a green tinge around them. So you, this, you feel good about these clear non-affirmings, correct? Correct, yeah. And now, Design, I'll, I'll give like you a, a nuance a there, but you mean that. You're okay with this, because like, you're clearly an affirming person. So, Yes. I am okay with this. In fact, I am encouraging clarity on okay. the reality. I'm So let me make a distinction, because I, I have to be really, really careful with this. Um, 
as an as an organization, as Church Clarity, we are okay. We are great with that. Okay. I'm still going to do my thing. I'm still going to mm-hmm. live my life. You're still going to see me on Twitter speaking my mind. We put that in our FAQ, in fact, because I don't want this little project to now handcuff me and who I am. That's mm-hmm. not. I don't. I right. think that's unreasonable. Right. So. Well, because it twists a lot of weird stuff here. But anyway, in these category of non-affirming churches, but you are good with organizationally here, uh, includes the Village Church, uh, Willow Creek Church. Um, let's see. Trinity Church and Mark Driscoll's church is on your good side there. I noted, noted. Very cool. Um, but Very cool. So, so that's interesting to me because I could almost imagine LGBTQ supporters saying you should not give any, you shouldn't even put a green border around these people, you know, you know. So that's a risk for you personally in a way. But that's what you're asking for is clarity. So I, I respect that as far as it sounds yeah, even handed. Well, and that's and that's the whole thing, and and that's where I do hope to gain a little bit of credibility because I do think that part of this is changing the conversation in quote unquote both camps, and so I think the you know we'll just use binaries my camp so to speak. We 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 need to get better about talking about this too in a lot of ways, and and that means being appreciative of clarity at one level because it is a step and i've maintained that as well like we're not going to solve all the issues happening in the church clarity is but a step toward broader reform that so many other organizations and and individuals are already doing to bring the church to health to real health so uh this isn't by by any means the end of of the work that we need to do and that's why i am comfortable saying okay for the for the mission of clarity mark driscoll's church Great job. No more. There's, that's why there's no action, you know, next to uh, Trinity Church that says tweet them for anything because mm-hmm. we don't need anything. As far as we're concerned, if you're clear, we're done with you. Yep. So unfortunately, I don't see a lot of churches I recognize on the clear and affirming, and I think that's yeah. uh, that's maybe too bad from mine and yours and point of view at least. But maybe we'll see that grow because of this would be a good thing. But I actually don't. I had to. I mean, I'm not up on all the churches. I'm sure people would recognize these, but I don't. None of these churches poke out to me as churches that I am even really aware of, except for East Lake Church, which you came out of. And let's see, Forefront Church sounds familiar. That's in New York. Um, what is that? Your church now? That's not your church no, now, is it? But you're in New York. Okay. Really and then yeah, Sarah, um, New, Sarah New, who's part of, who's a, the co-founder and part of our team. Uh, is a part of forefront. Cool. Well, and I think maybe this list will grow over time. But let me ask you about the undisclosed churches. I don't see how. I mean, couldn't is there a part of the thing where you investigate where you just ask people like like oh well you've tried to get uh, baptized there and they said no is that part of the how you're scoring it couldn't we find out more about Elevation Church I mean certainly people I mean certainly there's enough data to know what they really think out there. Yeah, and that's a good question. Um, we've intentionally launched with our mission being focused on churches' websites, what's mm-hmm. knowable on their websites, because that, that seems the least subjective. Um, now, stories are important and stories are pouring in. And the way that we're, as an organization, sharing those stories is still relevant. Uh, so you'll see on our Twitter feed that, you know, our, and, and the Advocates page, which is my favorite page on the site, actually, when you click on someone's face and you hover over their picture, you can see their, their story. And it's phenomenal. So we're using um, the Church Clarity platform of the advocates in that way to share their stories. We're not tying stories to uh, scoring church policy. I see. 
it's hard to do there. So that way, it's there's more credibility to it. Then I heard the story that they didn't. So you, you don't want to put it. And, use yeah. it. and the other the other thing too is we want to make this a a, a useful resource for people um, to find a safe place to to, to worship. Um, Even if you are I, looking for a, a place safe from those gays. <laughs> then you can find a well, safe one, one that's clear, non averting That's right. right. <laughs> I, I actually, I mean, we, we we laugh, but I think that that is a part of this. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of people who go to churches and they believe a certain way because they think their leadership believes a certain way, and of course, it's policies that reflect those beliefs. Um, and so, I think part of this is there's just poor sure people have been know. going to a church six months before they found out their pastor was gay, and that was, <laughs> we, <laughs> we want to protect those people. <laughs> well, I just think. I just think people are people are funny, and what they what they assume is true about about mm. churches and their own church. They don't they never ask questions. And I, I don't understand where that's we got huge, to that point. I there. couldn't again. That's what the heart of this podcast is. Is well, I mean, what's wrong with the, the asking the question part? Like the who? I right. mean, goodness gracious! Like you don't have to just. I mean, that's the weirdest thing in the world. So we we really want people to advocate for what they want to know. It's just information. Like, what does a pastor get paid? How does this money work? What it, what happens here? Can get what that just it's not. You're not a bad person. You're not even being subversive by wanting to know that stuff. You just you're just not. So I mean, yeah. and I would even so in a way, and we use the word permission a lot here. I want to give people permission to ask any question, to say what they really think, to really reveal good and bad things in their life openly at their churches. That's a huge, huge, huge problem that we have. And so I want to give people permission, but you take it to another level. Um and in fact, this gives people permission. Just yeah, just go ahead and disclose that you're not affirming. That's fine. Like you, you know, you're, you're offering that, but you're also you. I think you actively use the word pressure. You're pressuring people to declare. Is that would you use that language overtly? Um, I would use the word pressure. Pressure in the sense that uh, there is pressure. Right, there already is pressure on, mm-hmm. on pastors, and so we are um, through the response. Right, and one of one of the things I said on Twitter is that. This thing is powerless without the response of people, without people resonating and saying, yes. That's true. This is what that's a good point. Is. That's where the power is coming from. You're right. So, uh, that's where the pressure is coming from. So it's giving voice back to the church in a way that's pretty cool, in a way that leverages technology that uh, we have to start figuring out how to do in 2017. Uh, yeah, so I'm excited br- about that. That's kind of brilliant because if you think about it, anybody, you know, Tom – Slathers could publish a website where he scores churches on uh, if they're apostate churches or not, to use that joke again. And he could publish this whole list of who's real Christian churches, who's not, who's wolf in sheep clothing, who's not. And if nobody cares about, I mean, of course, there's nothing wrong with doing that. Of course, he could put up that table on the internet and we could all go by it or we would all disregard it. Whatever, but right. the fact that the exactly. th- this is just information that you're finding, sourcing, and putting out here, and the consumption of it, it proves its validity. It's as useful as it is useful. That's all. It's not, I mean, otherwise, it's an ignored website. Yeah. If it's not useful, and nobody cares. Who cares? There's a million websites that have all these declarations of who's in and who's out based on this list or that or their criteria. This one totally. has resonant cultural relevance because it matters to people. So you're right. The pressure is there. Otherwise, it's just an unvisited website. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, you nailed it. And, and I mean, it, it's not like, I mean, if you go to a church's website, they are, they everything else is clear. What times the services are, <laughs> Ambiguous. Their, their statement of faith, that they believe in the Trinity or not. Maybe. All these maybe things not. they have. We, uh, <laughs> but somehow we can't say this one. We better stay away from this one. Yeah. So that, 
It's cool too, though. I just uh, it's neat the links y'all have. So I just uh, y'all have a twi- uh, Twitter link. Like you can ask the for the LGBTQ policy. So I did it for I'm here in Nashville, Franklin. So I did it to Crosspoint here. I just asked. It's really cool how y'all have that set up. It just asks, "What is your LT, LGBTQ policy?" We'd like to clear. We'd like clarity. And so you can do that right now. You can go to uh, churchclarity.org and tweet your local church and find out. There's nothing wrong with that. You're not shaming anybody. Exactly. I, I really like that idea. You're right. Like Mark Driscoll's church. A lot of people, including us, have said a lot of crazy things about Mark Driscoll. But George, you're the, with Church Clarity and you are saying, hey, they are being clear. So what more can we ask? Like they're not being, you know, ambiguous. I can't even say that word. They're not being hidden or anything. <laughs> uh, that's better. Uh, but and so that is a good thing. The truth shall set you free, right? That that should be easy and not a hard question. And one thing I would love to do. I don't know if y'all would ever be up for this, but it'd be really cool if like when you guys do this, if the pastor was like, hey, I'd like to clarify our stance and here's a little video or something. That'd be so cool if a pastor said, hey, listen, uh, we, you know, we, we welcome everybody, but we don't want you in leadership or this or that, like, or uh, they'd probably be too maybe scared of the, you know, pushback on that. But if they said, uh, we're not there yet, but maybe one day we'll be, but we don't know, but we are not there. Like if you could see the humanity in that, I think that might, would be good, but I don't know if churches would ever do that, but that would be helpful too. And that's the experiment behind active, active and actively discerning churches is, is we're hoping that, uh, we'll, we can create room. And as again, when I say we now, I'm not just talking about this little organization, this little website, me, Sarah and Tim. And by the way, Julie Rogers and Marisa Hawk, Dr. Marisa Hawkins as part of our advisory council. Um, I'm not talking about even us. I'm talking about this army of advocates that is already mobilized behind this idea. And, um, so if the demand is there and if there is room for uh, the creation of a sort of a global church language that says, oh, they're actively discerning. Okay. I know what that is. I think that's helpful. I think that's helpful for people to know. And I think it helps churches actually um, create an environment where grace is created. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things actually that um, going through the process that we went through at Eastlake, um, I think has helped me sort of see is like, man, this is from a place of leadership. I was the executive pastor at, at this church, right? That, that um, it's, a, it's a lot. There's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of stress. And there's a lot on the line. You're, you're talking about um, your, your livelihood, right? Like your salary, your, your, your family. You're right. talking about, and when you're in those high, high levels of, of leadership, you're talking about your staff and, and other people's uh, livelihood. And so there's a lot of pressure. And so the church actually has a responsibility to recognize that. For better or worse, that's the reality of the system. And so we have to recognize that. And we have to be willing to work it out in ways that are, again, transparent and that we have grace. So I think actively discern, discerning churches are perhaps the most critical part of whether or not church clarity is a movement or if it's just a flash in the pan. Yeah, yeah. that's true. And, and I think one thing that's really cool, too, about you, George, is you—, you, you for sure, you don't want church to end, or you're not pro losing it. You, you still work at a church. It's not like you're burnt out on the outside looking in. You are working at a church, trying to mm-hmm. share the gospel, trying to get people to know Jesus, all those good things. And so, um, it's not like you're just some bad guy on the outside that you know got left a church and has a bad taste in his mouth. You're doing it for the good of people. Like you care about people the across church. the board. Good to the church. Good to the people. And just clarity is is really good. So. Well, um, actively discerning is certainly a really good category. And to put it another way, you know, I would caution people, if you're in leadership of a church, your 
sluggishness or laziness is, you know, it's it's har- is harming people. So at least actively declare that you're discerning. At least at least do us that favor. But if you're being sluggish or lazy, it comes at, you know, you don't have to declare no, but it does come at the expense of actual individuals here that are in your charge. I mean. That's mm-hmm. that's exactly. the, that's what I would urge people to to think through. Uh, I think you owe, owe it to the people because there's got to be people in your church who either struggle with or haven't even. Maybe you don't even think they're there, but I promise you, there's people in your church that are uh, gay and would like to be accepted as such, and you don't know it. Like there's, you know, you may think those aren't in your congregation, but they probably are, especially if you're not clear and they're waiting, they're waiting for you to, to lead and let them know is it is it a safe place for them or not. Um, and that doesn't mean you hate them if if you if, if it's not right. a place for them to to you know move up with their current theological yeah. conviction. So, you know, um, the last thing I want to say I can't find on the website is uh, I saw though earlier that you had a bunch of quotes from evangelical leaders about clarity. Where can I find that? Because I thought that was really really kind of da- uh, damning. <laughs> uh, that's on our Twitter feed. Um, I think the Jonathan Merritt um, article he, he included a few of them too. Um, but yeah, that's, those are just to be clear that joke has not gotten old yet, mm-hmm. by the way. Uh, but the, <laughs> the, the intention behind that is to say, we agree with these quotes. These are, these are great quotes. Like well, I really got to pull uh, some up because they're great. I'm going to try to, or well, go ahead and talk to Toby for a second. I do, I do want to pull a couple of these. No, I'm up. listening. Sorry. No, you're good. Um, just trying to think of, of what else has come up. When the talk, speaking of the undisclosed churches, there's the other pushback that, that we've heard is, um, well, we just we don't have a policy. We're no policy. We're intentionally we don't have policy, so we don't fit your little scoreboard. Um, and uh, my response to that is like, that's not a thing. <laughs> you absolutely, <laughs> you absolutely have a policy, um, and I can prove it just by, you know, having one of my friends in the LGBTQ community call you and ask you four different questions. Um, so it's actually a new category of ambiguity. That's even more dangerous than the standard ambiguity. It's like, nah, we don't, we don't, we're not policies. There's no policies. Like yeah. that's, that doesn't, that's unworkable. You run an organization. So, well, I'm not able to find those quotes, but I got to look them up, but they're, Sorry. they're really good. Sorry about that. But they're just, they're oh. just these, you know, these pastors, a lot of whom are in yeah, I was uh, them up too, unclear, uh, non-affirming, type of territory territory and they just keep over and over talking about have these pull out quotes from these guys that just say clarity is the most important thing and the truth will set you free and the most important thing is to let people know where you stand like these are words that evangelical leaders love to use and i don't even want to use the pejorative trot out because i do believe they're genuine but they love these types of words and these appeals to standing up for and being clear about and telling the truth about and making your stand and on this one Mum's the word, so it's kind of interesting. Yeah, I, well, I, I found one. It was Andy Stanley. Leaders must fear a lack of clarity more than a lack of accuracy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that's just one. And and theirs is undisclosed. His church is undisclosed. Right. I think. Undisclosed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Thanks yeah. for finding oh. that for me. But yeah, there's, there's tons um, and, of those basically. Well, and what's fascinating is sort of the underlying theme behind this whole thing is when you think about evangelism, right? What's the first thing that you want someone who's quote unquote lost to say once they have, quote unquote, found Jesus, uh, the sinner's prayer is the ultimate confession of conviction. I put placing my faith in Jesus Christ. And the most important thing for me 
to whatever, receive salvation, go and go to, he- to heaven. Uh, I'm an apostate, so sorry, I'm a little bit uh, illiterate in <laughs> this area. But uh, the sinner's prayer is a declaration of conviction, and it's the foundational teaching of Christianity. And so if pastors are unwilling to declare their convictions of things that are way more practical than a mental assent to a belief system that supposedly gets them into heaven, then I'm just like, yeah. your whole premise is, is off from the get-go, you know? As in their, their particular viewpoint on the Trinity is a lot less practical than this one. But they make it. They they got to be clear about that one, right? Right. 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 Yeah. Totally. Oh, this is great. That's how they teach. They teach people to do that. Yeah, that's they, right. Yeah. So, well, George, it, it's fun. I feel a little bit like I, I came up with this exact same idea, but it was just for uh, pastors' pay. I know you work at a church. Sorry, but it was just all it, the whole website was just red undisclosed. So yeah. I just gave it up. Nobody. It wasn't that interesting to go to. <laughs> it was just all red. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm good. <laughs> All right, George. The site is churchclarity.org or .com. They got them both. And uh, if you're listening out there, definitely, if you want to know some truth, uh, you can go to this site, find out. You can tweet. Uh, they have a bunch of really cool ways of finding out about your local church and uh, helping your brothers and sisters. And you out can there just, just ask on Sunday. You can just walk up to whoever you want to yep. at any church and ask if you're not. I mean, I understand a lot of people don't even want to do that because they'd be saying, I, I would like to give people permission that don't feel bad about that either. It's a lot easier to do it through an email or an anonymous thing or engage with the site because it's obviously you run some I, risk even personally by walking up to your pastor. Because I've heard stories about people doing that, and, and Mark Driscoll would be one of them, where you go and you ask a thing and then all of a sudden you're met with this insane opposition or bullying and right. you know shit you know that, that yeah. kind of thing so and i would i would just add to your encouragement that if, especially if you consider yourself a straight ally you should you should be the one leading in asking these questions mm-hmm. right let's not leave it up to lgbtq people right. to exactly put themselves in those positions of vulnerability like that's i think critical and ask ask questions like even like like denny and and, and preston and any any of these guys who have questions like i'm tweeting at them i'm like hey uh, I thought you had a question, and that, you know, I never get a response. But seriously, like, ask some questions. Let's talk. Yeah, for sure. Right now, well, George, thank you. We enjoyed yeah, thanks this. Thanks for back much. on, man. Anytime. Thanks, we'll guys. we'll do an update me. when we get right, some more more churches on there. Heck yeah! All right, sounds good. So, George McCahill, everybody in church club, enjoyed that. Good stuff. Good stuff. We got a few more minutes. The truth left. shall set you free. That's right. We have a few more minutes left, Toby. If you want to do a little bit of news. Sound good? Ooh, I'd love to. Yeah, it sounds really good. In a world where your pastor friend basically is always an answered prayer request with just being in his body. (laughs) (laughs) My name is Toby Morrell, and this is The Damn News. (laughs) Are you saying that I'm walking answers to your prayers? Yeah, like... (laughs) Like you keep like your body comes back stronger than ever. Like every anytime somebody prays for you, it's going to work <laughs> <laughs> until I die. <laughs> like I mean, your your body always falls apart. Like it's always in need of like, hey, you know, Pastor Svensson, man, he's going through a rough time right now, which is almost every other day for your body. But you always come back. Like it, it's like you know when people post like uh, praise reports, they they could do about you only. <laughs> <laughs> it would fill up the pages. <laughs> All right, uh, going. This comes from. Uh, this is pretty cool. Um, this comes. Uh, this is. This article is written by Jonathan M. Pitts, but it's uh, a roving reporter, Todd. I, I, I know Todd. We're friends on Facebook. I think it's Crevier. Crevier. I'm not sure. Todd. Sorry. Churches uh, merge close. 
uh, merge and close. We no longer live in Christendom, we, uh, and we really have to accept that it's a thing of the past. And I was like, ooh, this is very interesting. Well, well, well. Yeah, I know. Christendom, that's uh, a good distinction, too. For a, for a decade and more, Govan's Presbyterian Church and Brown Memorable Woodbrook Presbyterian Church have labored in the manner of many mainline Protestant congregations, working ever harder to provide spiritual resources for a dwindling number of congregants. But now they have decided to combine, and with, with their attendance stagnating, maintenance costs rising, and the population of Christians from which they draw shrinking, the two have decided to join, join forces. If the Baltimore Presbytery gives its approval next month, they'll become one congregation before the end of the year. And so uh, I thought this was pretty interesting. I'm going to skip a little bit here, but it says, uh, um, sorry, let me get down to this part. The driving force behind the trend is the well-documented decline in Americans' commitment to organized Judeo-Christian religion. Denominations large and small report falling membership numbers, decreased attendance, and faltering financial support. The decline began accelerating in the 1990s. Membership at churches and synagogues has fallen by nearly 20 percentage points since World War II, according to the Gallup poll. Uh, the Episcopal Church and the Presbyterian Church USA, uh, PCUSA, have lost nearly half their members since 1965. More than 1,000 Catholic parishes have closed since 1995. The number of Jews who call themselves culturally but not religiously Jewish is rising sharply among millennials. A few faith traditions have fared better. The Muslim and Orthodox Jewish populations are growing, and evangelical Christianity's numbers are holding steady. But more than 20% of Americans say they are unaffiliated with any religion. That's the highest number ever. Um, And it goes on to say some more, so you guys should check this out, this article out. And I I just thought this was so telling. And, And once again, this article is by Jonathan Pittis. Uh, I mean, Pitts, P-I-T-T-S. But I thought this was so telling. Here's the thing. You could read this as people are stopping their faith in God. Like they're becoming more atheistic or agnostic or uh, leaving the church. I really don't think that's what it is. It, I, I really think, and I'd like, I'm going to try and do some research on this and find out maybe we can get a, an expert on. I really believe that the church has been so blatantly uh, oblivious to the actual church, meaning the people, and has moved so much focus to Sunday morning and the system and the building and everything that people are finally going, what am I doing? What I'm, I'm giving my tithes to what? How much of my tithes are going to this thing as opposed to I'm giving it to help the needy or the widow or whatever it might be or my friend down the street? I, I really believe that people are starting to see that. It's not that they are necessarily giving up God or Jesus or whatever their faith believes in. But I really believe they're saying, man, we have to be a little bit more fiscally responsible. We have to really understand where our money's going the same way as with charities. You know what I mean? Like there's been yeah. tons of stuff where your charity is just a charity and your money doesn't really go anywhere. And people are, that's going to start getting, going away too. You're going to see more and more opportunity to give your money directly to people, whether it be through an Would app you just or say a, that it's a, just, a company or a system. You but say, you're going to be able to see, you're going to, in the future, you're going to be able to see like where your money goes and you're going to have more organic real relationship with others that's not as expensive as Sunday morning mm-hmm. and you're going to be able to gather and get together and worship your god in a way that is affordable and good for the world would you say that's probably an outcome uh of poor stewardship with funds that they've had like it's just a you know 
You just one hundred percent because the church has only been absorbed with or focused on growth. It is not actual. Uh, that, that's the thing. Get bigger. Get more. We we have been blind by saying uh, blinded by saying we are going to spread the gospel. But what does that actually mean? I feel like we've kind of lost our way a little bit, and we're getting so focused on a big building or having more butts in the seat. And that that means something when people go, man, I just want to connect with my God and do things that God asks of me that will improve my life and improve others' life or or try to help people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really do believe that. I really don't think we're I, – I, I, I could be wrong. I'm sure there are some numbers that would show – you know, atheism or agnosticism might, might be growing, but I do not think it's growing as fast as people wanting to connect with God and want it, like in a real way. Like I am one of those people. I worked at two mega churches. I have uh, grew up in church my entire life, and now I'm like, man, I, I still love God. I still love Jesus. I, I, I want to know the teachings and learn and do real work in the world that that I think God wants me to and. Do do I what do I need that Sunday morning for? I, I can have my congregation and group and that I meet with anywhere, anytime. It, it, it's it's become it's the same thing as like YouTube. How I think YouTube is, might take down, uh, you know, education or something like that. I think we're really in a time and place where this is only going to get worse. I, I really wonder what's going to happen ten years from now. Like, what is it going to look like? I think you'll have a few. What you'll have in the evangelical world is a few rock star pastors that remain just because they're rock star and people always need somebody to follow in a way. Uh, I won't say worship, but follow. And so that might last a little while, but it's the dinosaur. I mean, it's it's going away. Like, my, Well, think know, about it this way. Like, I don't think that this is as much, and I don't think y'all think this either, but this isn't a bunch of Christian megachurch staff that are sitting around saying, ooh, how can we keep screwing people and keep making a living? Like, think about it this way. When people start churches, especially someone as dynamic as a Rick Warren, it, and it outgrows your living room, which a lot of those early churches, they started in a living room, just like a little house church. And then next thing you know, you have to rent out a bigger building. Then next thing you know, you're like, oh my gosh, like whatever we're doing, a lot of people like. You've got two, dis- you've got one choice or another. Uh, the first one is, all right, we're going to keep this small. You guys have to meet in a different house. Or you have to meet in a different space. Or, okay, well, we're doing something. God's all over it. We got to put out some money to to build a bigger meeting space so we can be sustainable and do all this. It's not like this overt, I'm going to do something to make more money. Now, I'm sure in some cases it is, but I just think that, I, and, and I'll even go so far as to say there was a season where that was really good. And I still think it does a lot of good. I mean, I I know we make fun and we say sometimes churches give like one or two examples and it's the same examples all the time because it's it's like their resume. But I, I mean, I, I'm the first one to tell you, there are numerous times when I hear someone showed up to church on a Sunday morning because they felt like they didn't have any hope and then they walked away being like, oh my gosh, I do have hope. And then they get plugged into a small group and they start serving. Now, do I think that's the most efficient way of approaching reaching out to people and talking about Jesus? No, but there is some effectiveness to it. Yeah, well, it's time yeah, but, to reflect but, on it now. I mean, we've gotten yes, here. What goes yes. up must come down. So you got to read the writing on the wall, at least. At least mm-hmm. you got to come to terms with reality. That's that's all. Yes, thing. yes. Yeah. We're, so I'm not disagreeing as much as I'm saying I don't think that these are a bunch of bad people. Nope. Nope. Uh, 
I don't know if I'll totally go there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously. I mean, you used to have VHS, and then the world woke up and went to DVD, and now I'm trying to get people to wake up to get move on from that. Like, we're the church is clinging to an old model and and i don't i don't think like there is nothing in the bible if something gets big that means god's a part of it i agree that 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 is not true Uh, oh man oh the people want it so we need a bigger building i was was quoting them that's not what i think right no that's i know but i'm but but i'm saying even giving them out hey man one person came today and really needed it i don't know where's that person one year from now or five years from now like those those things are so vague and ambiguous that i feel like wait uh what does that mean mean, if it takes 10 million dollars to get one person to come into the door i might be even okay with that but i'm sure there's people in the world that could use that 10 million dollars a lot more efficiently and better like you and me and you i mean let me let me put it let me put it this way: there are there are people. All right, so for, I was telling Matt a, a little while ago about our, our Sunday night house church. The Dagum yeah. thing works, and it is nothing special, nothing scientific. Nobody invented anything. It's just a bunch of people that have been hanging out regularly for a good year now, uh, bringing their finances together to help other people out, talking very openly about struggles, seeking God together, expressing doubt together. So what the product is, I've seen that same product happen at a mega church, but one of them didn't cost anything. The other, the other, the other one cost a lot of money. But the flip side of that is... If there is a is a huge need in Charleston and let's say a house or, or, or a church burns down and someone calls and says, hey, I heard you had a house church. Can you guys help? We could be like, yeah, we can give you maybe $1,000. We're an established church that have put forth a bunch of money and resources and buildings and they've been around since the 1950s and stuff. They can maybe cut a check for $50,000 and they do mm-hmm. as well. So Yeah. It, or, you know, or like or like if there was a hurricane, they could let a bunch of people come stay with them. <laughs> yeah. Oh wait. Oh, oh shit. Wait. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, of, of course you could. Do you? Well, do you and, yeah. and, and it minimizes that $1,000. And what if there was a bunch of little thousands of dollar groups? Yeah, but Joey, yeah, what are you going to do point. when your group? What happens when your church, your house church, gets to thirty-five people? Man, <laughs> there's going to be people on the outside that need to come. Man, they're going to need that group. They're just going to need it. So you're going to have to get a building, man. You just have to. <laughs> well, I tell you, you can't measure everything. I sound by horrible. Group. Yeah, you do, but that's okay. It's a, it's other people. Resonate I'm a terrible person. <laughs> well, the, I'm telling you, reason, I'm a terrible person. The reason why I push back on some of this and I and hopefully balance the conversation it's because you good. have a kidney stone. Oh, <laughs> well, I, I've actually heard someone from the highest level of leadership at the church I work at saying that there's a very good chance that the engine no longer is running in this big mega church culture not just the not just seacoast but yeah. churches as a whole the engine is off but we had so much momentum in the 90s and early 2000 mm. we're we're still moving like Coasting. we still we still yes so in the in the meantime let's let's talk about this stuff and let's challenge this stuff but this stuff is here and i think as it starts to slow down change wind down or something the last thing we need to be doing is throwing rocks at it yeah but, or be flat footed yeah and uh, right. yeah exactly you don't want to get caught flat because these are people that the three of us do love yeah but the problem and, yeah, and, is 
the uh, the real problem is everything can't grow forever, except for the problem is I know there's exceptions to that. For instance, the BC Club, it only grows. Oh, God, yes, that's true. So what <laughs> am I supposed to do? Praise I mean, the Lord. Thank you for that. Clearly, God is all over it and blessing it, so I don't know what else to do. Other than, we hey, do we build need a building? building. <laughs> we we got to build a building for the BC Club. <laughs> we got to build a building for the BC Club. We got to. The people well, want it. It does We're gonna continue do, to not grow, let people in the so BC Club? That's why we have names to read every week. Because I mean, and that's the thing. I don't even like thinking of it that way, but it does continue to grow. And I, I can't tell you anything other than I'm glad that it is. Um, and thank you to everybody for joining, especially lately, continuing after this amount of time. So I wow. hope everybody is getting a lot out of it. The Facebook group is a ton of fun. You know, is a lot of lurkers that monitor and don't post a lot. I'm like that. I don't post a ton in there. Can, but I, I, do can I give a praise report? Some can, I, can I give a praise report for the BC Club? I got a praise report. Go for ahead. Oh, oh gosh. So uh, y'all know this last week I was doing True Man and I went to the Wolf's House and it's a little outside, of basically Akron, Ohio, Cleveland, mm-hmm. Ohio, and it's the, the whole family. Um, uh, listens to our podcast and thinks of us as like part of the family. I was like, man, that's really cool. And they're in the BC club. They, they uh, really help support us and all that stuff. Now, what was really crazy is I got their house and it was really nice, but their bathroom looked all weird and kind of strange. I didn't really like that. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Rob Wolf made me say that about his wife. <laughs> she changed the bathroom stuff because so, she thought I would make fun of her for the way their bathroom looked. <laughs> They know us so well. She's like, Toby's going to come to our house. And she had some different like things in the bathroom. So she changed it all around. So I think they'll, they're going to die laughing because they all listen to this podcast about that. But that's what I thought was so cool. Like what we're doing is I, here's what I really believe. I do think that like with the BC club, I think it's like-minded people, but we are so crazy and out there that it just really does give everybody a little bit of chance to, to move a little bit of their needle and start thinking on their own a little bit. So that's my praise report. Thank you, Wolves. Thank you all. The, uh, tons of BC clubbers came to the True Man. I really appreciate it. So Yeah, that's cool. Uh, and if you're you not what? in it, get in it. One thing that's neat about that Facebook page is we have pretty much remained the course, and we have not brought on any sort of censorship. Now, there's, there's been a couple of posts that we've removed, I think because it was pornography or over-the-top racial yeah. stuff where someone's just trying to get attention. And that was Matt the, that put the pornography that, in there. Sorry about that. me, actually. Right. Yeah, yeah so, sorry for what Matt did. Yeah. <laughs> but, but for the most part, it, you know, there's people that say, man, you know, this isn't a safe place for me and all that. And, I, and all I can, I, I think I hurt some people's feelings. I didn't even read through all the posts, but I could see that things were stirring. And so I just said, man, this, this club would be a lot better without some of you. And, you know, just how it'd be really cool just to have adult conversations and but some of you need to be less sensitive as well. So there's a lot of drama and it's and it's good drama. Sometimes it's bad drama, but it's a bunch of people trying to work stuff out. And these folks are new to it. And that's Darren Finch, Alex Santos, Santos, Stephen R. Hernandez, Zach Young, Luke, Andrew Tuzinski. Scott Kennedy, Reed, I, Hopkin, Mariah A. Hibbard. <laughs> I like that last name. That is awesome. Mariah, I love your last name. Good Lord. I, like, I love your last name, Mariah. Hibbard. I love that. And then Fritz Nuffer. Right on. Thank you to the BC Club and everybody for joining it and making Amen. this ship sail. Okay. Y'all don't forget. That Emory has a new uh, 
you know, kind of a, a, a new record out in November 17th called Revival, and it's revisited. It's, we've brought back some old songs of ours that are our favorite. So pay attention to that. Go ahead and follow us on Spotify. Come see, go to emorymusic.com and get tickets to see Toby and I out there doing shows live coming up just in a That's couple right. of weeks in November. And don't forget to go to Spotify also and listen to the new Matt and Toby record, which is available Heck there yeah. currently. That's all I got. Guys, go ahead. Everybody out there, go ahead and start making Friendsgiving plans. Before you know it, uh, it's going to be too late to plan. So just go ahead and go ahead and get your plans uh, running. If you're gay, it's not okay. If you're gay, go away. We're the church, and we say go away. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Well, guys, it's about that time of year. The air is getting chilly. The holidays are right around the corner. And you start thinking about all these Christmas gifts you have to buy. And nobody ever really wants a pair of socks for Christmas, unless you're talking about our BC Supply Urban Trail Socks. These socks are literally amazing. I've been wearing these socks for the past eight or nine months, and I'm going to be real with you for a second here. It might be a little gross, but I've even worn the same pair for two to three days. And I'll tell you what, my feet did not feel sweaty. They never got smelly. The socks didn't smell. There was nothing gross about it. So if you're ever in a situation where you need to, then you could. I don't recommend it, but you could. And so what we're going to do for the next week through Halloween, we're offering 20% off our Urban Trail socks. So when you go to our website, bc.supply, check out the socks, you'll get 20% off with code MEAL at checkout. So M-E-A-L at checkout. And the reason we use that code is because every pair of these socks that are purchased goes to feeding one person in need. We've teamed up with Green Cove Collective on these socks and 957 Mobile Cafe to provide someone with a meal that needs it in the North Carolina area. So make sure you go to our website, bc.supply, check out our high quality products and get 20% off our Urban Trail socks now through Halloween with code MEAL.